Welcome to Sunflower Living, a podcast that believes that life is always worth living. I'm Abile. And I'm Linky. Welcome to our working philosophies on life and living with a mental illness. Before we get started, a note. We are not mental health professionals. All opinions expressed in this podcast are our own. Welcome back, everyone. And... Here is part two to part one that we had previously uploaded and it was a bit intense, but I think it's sometimes when you're talking about something as important and somewhat still taboo in our society today as mental health and one's own journey with it, you know, certain episodes and conversations will go out that. And today I have Linky as usual with me, but I'm going to be asking her questions about her own journey. And uh, how are you feeling about that, Lynx? No, it's kind of interesting because I've talked about my journey before or about elements of it, but I haven't really shared it in its entirety. And so it's really important, I think, for me to also delve deep and say, okay, where have I, you know, how far have I come from Mm. the beginning? Mm. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. All right, brilliant. Let's... Let's jump right in, as nerve-wracking as it might be, but I'm here for you. <laughs> so I just wanted to, do, do you maybe want to start us off by giving us uh, a, a basic summary of how it is you've gotten to this place? You know, like when does a younger Linky kind of clock into the fact that something may be different with her in terms of, you know, processing these very, very intense, very... Um, uncomfortable feelings? Well, I suffered a loss at a very young age. And so mm-hmm. um, quite early on, I saw therapists just to process that. Mm-hmm. And then um, along the way, you know, that, that ended at a certain period in my life. And I kind of just moseyed on with life and I was still struggling. Mm-hmm. And so everybody at the time kind of associated all of my difficulty and challenges with this loss. Yeah. And I kept saying, no, that's not it. No, that's not it. And while I was saying that something else was wrong, mm-hmm. I was kind of being um, ignored. Mm-hmm. And so eventually what happened was in high school, at the start of high school for me, mm-hmm. I spoke to the school counselor And having that conversation with them, they were like, I think maybe it's time you spoke to a therapist again. And while I was speaking to the therapist, she diagnosed me with um, major depression. Mm. And this felt very real. It felt like, yes, this was the right diagnosis. And um, I mean, the right diagnosis. And so we continued along that route. And for the longest time, I thought, this is it, you know, mm-hmm. um, I suffer from major depression. I have these dips, this darkness kind of comes and this is it. But at the time I was not on medication mm-hmm. and it started to get progressively worse. Yes. And eventually I got to a point where, you know, kind of fast forward, I got a different diagnosis. And um, at that stage, I kind of got literally a laundry list of -hmm. diagnoses. And I was like, whoa, this is a little bit overwhelming. And from that point on, it's kind of been a point, um, 
a phase of really weeding out what the truth is Mm -hmm. and figuring out what really sticks and what really resonates as truth Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of letting go of the ones that maybe were misplaced. Mm -hmm. And and that's been a journey just with um, psychiatric professionals as well as therapists along the way. I totally get that. And I, I can't imagine that, that there, there must be certain instances where you kind of look back and it's like, oh, maybe if I'd probed a little harder, but then, you know, I think I said like in mine where it was like, I just, cause you know, you're taught that, oh no, doctors know everything. They know everything. You don't question them. So yes. I can I kind of understand like how, you know, you, you have these pitfalls and it's just like, I mean, well, a doctor said it. So obviously it's true. Um, and you know, in, taking into into consideration everything you said, do you think there was ever a point, you know, in your journey and having like gotten these diagnoses that you were perhaps in denial? I don't think there was denial for me. Mm -hmm. I think there was a lot of questioning Mm -hmm. in that um, I learned early on that as much as doctors know everything, Mm -hmm. they don't. And so I learned early on that I had a voice Mm-hmm. And I needed to use that voice. And mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting because my voice was suppressed in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was in the doctor's office, I would ask a lot of questions. I would yeah. say, no, that's not a symptom that resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would ask questions and say, so, you know, what are the long-term effects of this medication? Mm-hmm. And I would ask and say, how else does this present? And a lot of that helped me along the way. Mm -hmm. And so to come out of that space of, I think, as you say, denial, Mm -hmm. um, I was more concerned about how do I maintain this and manage this disease in the long term. Mm -hmm. And I found that there were so many varying answers to that, that that really um, made me almost like a a guinea pig for whoever I was seeing, because they'd be like, well, let's try this and let's try that. And some of those trials can be Mm -hmm. really, um, can be really damaging. So that was my experience. I can definitely understand that, especially, but I think it's so interesting that you were able to sort of advocate for yourself in you know, a time or just a, you know, a, a portion in the journey that I think is very tricky for anyone because, you know, it's sometimes it's easier to just sort of like hand over your fate to, you know, someone who is, you know, quote unquote, more qualified than you. But I like that you were able to like ask those difficult questions and be like, no, I don't really like the sound of that. No, I'd rather not be on that. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes I just be like, well, again, they just, they know better because they're doctors. So, you know, there's this, like, and there is a safety in that too, I think, where it's like, let me just do what they say so that I can start feeling better. (laughs) And And they do know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They do. I I just think that there are certain elements of mental illness that we've shied away from. And mm-hmm. also some that have only come to the fore in recent years. So they've been, um, I mean, I think about mood disorders and how 
no one wants to diagnose someone with a mood disorder because it is so life altering. And so they have to have checks and balances and do the best they can to protect everyone. Um, so I think that's, that's an important piece with that. Exactly. Because I think, you know, as much as, you know, we can give flack to our doctors because as we are, they are also people, you, you know, we have to trust that as much as they are people, the things that they, you know, the, the, the steps that they take with us in the, in the beginning and in the interim is in our best interest because they have to make sure that this is exactly what it is so that, you know, your quality of life is not impacted negatively and simultaneously, you know, they are fulfilling their Hippocratic oath, so to say. Correct. Mm. Correct. And so, you know, kind of rounding this out, I think in a nice way, because it's, it's so, it's so interesting to hear like how everyone else's journey is so varied and so different. Do you think there is anything you would have done differently in, you know, in between, because obviously we've all made mistakes, but I think when you suffer with a mental illness, you are more susceptible to making the same mistake more than, you know, it would be not plausible, but then would be preferred in a, in a, in a sense, if I can put it that way. What would I have done differently? So along my journey, mm-hmm. um, there was a period in time when I was seeing a psychologist who felt that the medication wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And that was because the diagnosis was incorrect at the time. Yes. And so I went off meds for a long time, for several years. Mm-hmm. And in those years, I think that there was a lot of regression mm-hmm. and I've said before that medication isn't for everyone, but I do believe that there is a time and place for certain medication. And I think had I been on that medication longer or on the right medication mm-hmm. um, during that period, I think I would have had a better quality of life. Mm. Was there a point where, you know, it made sense to not be on meds and then to restart that again like was was there to a degree a relief in not being on meds um and a possible like shame around it as well no not a shame but an inconvenience Mm -hmm. i think as somebody who um struggles with structure Mm -hmm. you've got to take the meds at a certain time every day that's Mm -hmm. just how it works yeah um and i would forget and i would um, yeah, just not want to, just not want to deal with the labor intensive part of it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was inconvenient. Um, I don't think for me, there was shame attached to it because I've always felt that mental illness is so similar to any other chronic illness. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't, um, we don't judge other people who have chronic illnesses for Mm. the medications they have to take for the rest of their lives. And so Mm. I didn't feel, um, I felt that there was no reason to judge that about myself. Yeah. The judgment to a degree, or did some of the judgment, if there was at all, come from people outside of you? So like the family, friends, work colleagues or whomever? I think there's a lot of judgment and just ignorance around mental illness. Mm -hmm. And so for me, one of the things that came up was that um, 
in the family setting, there was a big sense of what will people say? You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to, you're just stressed or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. And then um, you go from like a friends and colleagues perspective mm-hmm. and that leads to, um, so from the perspective of colleagues, I don't think that, you know, you wear your mental health badge, you know, as though to say, oh, by the way, so it doesn't really come up as much. I think mm-hmm. I've heard ignorant things being said, either about other people, either just in conversation in general. And I think that really does come from a place of not knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, you know, I think one of the one of the phrases that people use, um, mm-hmm. whether it's about the weather or it's about somebody who's acting um, out of sorts, people will say, oh my gosh, the weather's being bipolar. Yes, that is not a good way to describe it. This is just not, you know what I mean? Because for somebody who struggles with bipolar, that is so insulting. Exactly. And again, it's a misconception that um, bipolar means moodiness. That Mm. is not it at all. And so just, you know, my my life's goal really is to educate people and inform them so that they can um, be more conscientious about what they're saying. hundred percent. I mean, I think that's a phrase that always irritates me a little. Like when someone's like, Oh, I'm so depressed. It's like, don't, don't, don't do that. Please don't trivialize this. It's not a fun experience when you are, you know, sort of like, like we always say it's every day. So like, it's not fun when you're sort of like existing between different, um, layers of depression to sort of hear someone kind of cavalierly say oh i'm so depressed you know what i mean and they could very well be but i think when you hear it within a social context and like you said oh the weather's so bipolar it's like maybe let's not compare ourselves to like a a or let's not compare people who suffer from this really like debilitating illness sometimes to something that is sort of expected or or perennial like the weather do you know what I mean because then it's just it's oversimplifying and it is taking the experience away from someone unintentionally correct Correct. so so any last questions for me Mm, no but I would say that I'm so grateful that you were able to you know come on the pod today have a chat with me and you know reveal some really interesting insights into your own journey and how it is that the biggest takeaway for me is that how important it is to remain an advocate for yourself as uncomfortable as it might be and whatever pushback you may come against you have to be able to ask those questions in order to sort of be involved in improving your own life totally and I think the journey is different for everyone and when we accept that and we start to be gentle with ourselves and give ourselves mm-hmm. some grace. We're able to better one advocate for ourselves, but two, to, to get to a point where we do have some answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think don't give up just because a certain medication doesn't work. Don't give up just because a certain therapist doesn't work. Don't give up. Mm-hmm. I'm a big advocate for interviewing therapist to see if they're a good fit because Mm -hmm. if they're not you're wasting your time and you're wasting their time 
Um, so it's really important to know some of that. And I think those are things that I learned along my journey. Yeah. And also, I mean, coming back to what you said about interviewing therapists, it's okay if you have a bad experience with a, th- with a, with a therapist, but know that that is not the precedent for all, for the entire profession, if I can put it that way. Mm-hmm. Hence, you have to sort of like be Correct. in really awful sessions sometimes to realize that, oh, this style is not something that I appreciate or the way that, you know, this person, the, like the cadence that they have seems very uninterested or very like jaded. And do you know what I mean? So for some people, the, the more clinical approach to therapy does work, but for others, it sometimes has to be just that little bit more intimate or almost like having coffee with a friend sort of thing. So research. Do you research? Well. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't say always look at the reviews, but be, you know, even let's say if you have like a really good relationship with your psychiatrist, your, psychi- your psychiatrist can refer you to someone that they think is a good fit for you. That's something that I've always done um, because I've been fortunate to have an incredible duo of my psychologists and psychiatrist where they're able to talk to each other. And then should I need a change at any point, they're both able to be like, okay, I know this person, that person, this person. What, how do you think they'll be for Abide? And then you know, I'm also involved in that conversation. So it's probably a good idea to build that sort of structure, but also like Linky has showed us in many episodes, as well as this one, it's important to consistently advocate for yourself. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you for having me today. I always have you. You're like, we we're together in this. (laughs) In a different setting, in a different context today. Absolutely true. And thank you for sharing your story and being so open with us today, Lenki. And as always, everyone, please feel free, wherever you're listening to this too, leave us a review. Um, you know, it really helps other people find the podcast. But more, more importantly, interact with us on social media. We want to hear from you. We want, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. And you can even write us an email using alias or not. But we definitely do want to hear from you. And thanks so much for listening. We are not mental health professionals. All opinions expressed on this podcast are our own. Our views and the views of any guests on our show cannot be construed as advice or should be used as medical recommendation. If you need help, please consult a licensed medical professional.